Welcome to the Human Flourishing Project. I'm Alex Epstein. Today's topic is focus and opportunity cost. So by way of intro, I want to share with you a quote from Johnny Ive, who was the longtime lead designer at Apple, recently left the company last year to found his own firm that I think is still doing a lot of consulting with Apple. And he was an incredibly close collaborator with Steve Jobs for, I guess, two decades uh, or so, at least a, a decade and a half. And the quote I'm going to read you is an excerpt from an interview he did with Vanity Fair, where he was talking about what made Steve Jobs distinctive. So here it is. Steve was the most remarkably focused person I've ever met in my life. And one of the things Steve would say, because I think he can, he was concerned that I wasn't, and here he means I wasn't focused, as in Johnny wasn't focused. He would say, how many things have you said no to? And I would have these sacrificial things because I wanted to be very honest about it. So I said no to this and no to that. But he knew that I wasn't vaguely interested in doing those things anyway. So there was no real sacrifice. And then later he goes on to say, what focus means is saying no to something that with every bone in your body you think is a phenomenal idea. And you wake up thinking about it, but you end up saying no to it because you're focusing on something else. That's the end of the quote. By the way, I just want to qualify. There might be one or two words wrong with this because it looks like the transcript that I got this from maybe off. So just just in case. Uh, so don't, don't treat this as literal. But the, the essence of it is definitely in what I just said. And I have to say this quote has haunted me for a while for the same reason I think this bothered Johnny Ive, as he suspected, well, maybe I'm not focused enough, or maybe I could benefit by being more focused. And the idea of saying, yeah, there's something that I, with every bone in my body, I think is a phenomenal idea, and I wake up thinking about it, but I end up saying no to it because I'm focusing on something else. Like that seemed like, yeah, that's a really hard thing and I could see benefits from it, but I don't know, there's a lot of different things uh, I want to do. So today I want to talk about focus and opportunity cost. And and opportunity cost is a, a concept that's used in economics. And there's a question of whether it's even the best term for what it's capturing, but it's basically capturing what is the, you know, what is the potential value of, you know, alternatives or competing values in a given situation. So just, you just think about a weekend, you think, okay, well, I'm deciding to go fishing with my friend two Sundays from now, just something I'm thinking about doing. And then I can think, okay, well, what's the value of that? It'd be fun. And I like to catch fish and get out on the water and it's really peaceful. And then I can also just think, okay, what's the opportunity cost? Well, there are other things that I won't be doing that Sunday. And if I think that through and I think, yeah, well, this fishing will be the best thing, then that's great. But it helps think it through to think through, okay, what else could I be doing? And the same thing is true with with work in general in terms of what job do I have, but even with a given hour of the day. You know, what other value could I be pursuing during this time? And without thinking about that, it's too easy to think, it's just too easy to pick things because they're somewhat positive versus they're optimal. So I could say, well, like, yeah, I, I like, I don't know, I like, I like business. I like entrepreneurship. So maybe I'll start 
you know, a friend of mine is, you know, getting involved with a restaurant and he wants to have me as a consultant and he thinks I know something about business. So maybe I'll consult on that restaurant. And, I th- and if I just think of it in terms of the positives, I can think, oh, well, that, that sounds like fun in some ways. Uh, like I like thinking about business and I like solving problems and I like my friend. And But then if I think of it from the perspective, okay, well, I'm almost 40 years old. Uh, my time is very limited. The, you know, the amount of uh, attention I can give something in a day, the amount of energy I have in a day is very limited. Do I really want to be focusing on helping with this restaurant as against, say, working on finishing my book, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels 2.0, or maybe working on something on COVID-19, or working on a new episode of The Human Flourishing Project. And then, of course, there are recreational alternatives to some of our productive time. But even if we just talk about different kinds of productive alternatives, if we really think in terms of opportunity cost, it's at first overwhelming because it, it can seem like, oh my gosh, there's so many different things I could do. What do I do? But it it really reinforces, it, it really it really just reinforces that there are all the, that there are way more things one could do in life then one has time to do. And so it, it leads to real thinking about prioritization. Um, so I mentioned that uh, and so part of focus is this idea of focus is saying there's a value to picking one thing or as close to one thing as possible and doing that with the vast majority of one's productive time and versus picking multiple things that seem like a good idea. Now, historically, uh, I think I've had an interesting experience with focus because there are certain tech, certain tactics that I've developed in myself and abilities that I've developed in myself that have allowed me to do multiple things at quite a high level. So the main one, which I've talked about on previous episodes, is time blocking. And time blocking means setting aside definite chunks of time for specific areas of life or specific areas within a specific area of life. So it could be, well, you know, in a relationship, you could even say, I'm going to time block this. Okay, I'm going to spend this much time with my partner. Now, that may seem unromantic, but I think one should try it. It's, it has a lot of different benefits in terms of saying like, okay, well, this is the time I definitely want to spend together. Or even like, let's say together, just the two of us doing things, maybe you have kids and then you have to think about that. But it's there's a lot of power in saying, okay, this is the specific amount of time. I recognize finite time is finite. This is the amount of time I want to spend with this person. And then it really helps maximize the value of that time. So you can do time blocking among different areas of life, but within productive activity, it can also be, well, I'm going to time block multiple things. So for example, I have this podcast and so I give it a certain amount of time every week or every two weeks. And then I have a different podcast on energy called Power Hour and I give that a certain amount of time. And then I'm working on a book and I give that a certain amount of time and I'm working on a startup project called Thoughtful and I'm giving that a certain amount of time. And I have certain consulting work and I have speaking work. And so what time blocking allows is it allows, I mean, one of the benefits of it, or at least seeming benefits of it is it allows one to do quite a few things in parallel at at a high level. 
because it, it, it's, it's saying, okay, I'm going to spend X amount of time on this, and here's where it is on the calendar. And there's something very powerful about saying, okay, I'm spending this amount of time and only this amount of time, and then the thing gets done. And so that, that can be great. But what I've come to believe is that time blocking, if one becomes really good at time blocking among multiple different kinds of productive activity, it can obscure the fact, or let's say it can conceal the opportunity cost of diverted focus. Let's say I have multiple projects that I'm working on. Well, if I if I can do all of those and have some efficacy with all of those, then that can seem good. But what if I spent a lot more time on one of the projects? What if I said, this is the most important one and I'm just going to focus on this? What would happen with uh, with that. And that's what I've been experimenting with lately with this new version of uh, this book, Moral Case, as I call it, Moral Case for Fossil Fuels 2.0, the new version of this book, which I've talked about on this podcast, which is something I've been working on now for the last year and a half. And what happened was the whole you know, COVID-19 shutdown, that, that cut out automatically a bunch of things I was going to do because it it definitely reduced speaking demand and it it somewhat reduced consulting demand. So I was spending less time on those activities. And it was also clear that for a couple months, I didn't want to spend time on the sales and marketing end of those activities just because a lot of stuff was shut down and it just it could be I realized it could be a lot of effort to not get that much results. And so I decided, okay, well, instead I'm going to cut my expenses. I'll figure out some uh, other ways of generating revenue, which I've talked about on previous episodes. Um, but in, and in particular, taking donations for certain kinds of activities like marketing, acti- marketing activities and research and development activities so that I could really focus on a couple of things, but above all, the new version of the book. And then as part of that, uh, in terms of cutting finances, I started spending less money on different kinds of business coaching uh, that I was involved in. And all the stuff that is being cut, it's all valuable stuff. But what I found was really interesting is that when I just started cutting out everything and started cutting out more meetings, I would have a couple more extra hours a day to um, work on this book. And I was noticing, okay, well, each extra hour is interesting. Like it's, I'm getting considerably more done when I have one more uh, extra hour. And then last week I had an interesting experience because, and this really drove it home for me. Um, I had some, I had a project I had been planning to work on in the evenings for, let's say, you know, six hours during the week. And then, um, but then I decided, okay, I'm not I, I, like, I figured out, okay, I'm not actually going to do that thing that I was planning to do. So I decided, okay, I'm going to cut that and I'm going to instead focus on the book. But I don't necessarily want to write at night, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to read. So I'm going to read like some of the best energy and environmental writing I can find. And in particular, there are two new books that are about to come out. One is called Apocalypse Never by Michael Schellenberger, and one is called False Alarm by Bjorn Lomborg. I highly recommend both. And so I got advanced copies of both of those, and I spent my evenings last week uh, reading them. So I was reading them instead of doing the exciting, and it was an exciting project that I had planned to do, but I said, you know what, I'm not going to do that exciting project. I'm going to just focus on this book and I'm going to see what happens if I allocate even more time to it. In this case, it's 
allocating time not just to the writing of it but to the to reading to really enrich my knowledge and find new stuff and books are you know good books are just such a dense source of good stuff and these books have a lot of stuff that I wasn't familiar with and also they were thought provoking and it really improved my writing last week I had one of my best writing weeks writing slash editing weeks uh, I've ever had and in general I've had like four or five or so just unbroken weeks of very, very significant progress. But this past week and then the week before that have been even more extreme in terms of the rate of progress. And I just, I found myself writing on Thursday and Friday and I just thought, you know what, I'm writing, my writing is better, it's more passionate and it's more informed and I can trace it directly to, you know, expanding my focus to just be all about making this book as good as possible, including times when I'm not writing, doing the best possible uh, reading on that. And this this really struck me because I thought, you know, the project I decided not to do in the evenings, that was something I really thought was a good project. It wasn't one of these things where I didn't really want to do it. It's something like, yeah, I would really like to do this. I could see a lot of value, but I realized, you know what? Like, I have to decide this week. I know I'm going to make a lot more progress if I just focus on this book. And do I want to do that um, right now? And it just struck me, oh my gosh. I was making good progress before, but I can really make amazing progress if I'm this level of focused. So it's if I use the power of time blocking, but I block more time and I block out time for things that are specifically connected to this one project and as much of the time as possible is around that, then it takes it to another level. And part of what's going on is I'm deciding, you know, right now this book is the thing I want to produce most. This is, for now, I think this is the, if you use the, there's this book I like, The One Thing by Gary Keller. Like, this is the one thing I want to do right now. It's And part of the idea, he says, is you want to think of the one thing that makes everything else easier or unnecessary. And part of doing something like this is, there's just a lot of, I'll, I won't go into it, but I have a lot of goals that are easier to achieve once this is done, both in terms of just um, all, all kinds of business goals and just intellectual goals. And it just makes sense to just focus now on get this thing done quickly at the level that I wanted to get done. And that is like, I'm just going to, I'm willing to uh, commit to that as this is my one uh, focus. And what I've, what I've noticed on reflecting on this is you can think of it as if you, if you think about it in terms of maximizing productive ability, and I want to qualify and say, I don't think you have an obligation to maximize your productive ability. And there are many reasons why you actually don't, that's not the right way to think of life overall. Like, oh, my goal is to maximize my productive ability. I think that's an improper goal as the goal of life as a whole. But it is useful to think about like what maximizes your productive ability. And you can think of it as if you focus on the thing where you where that's the most valuable to you, and that's often the thing where you can create the most value, it does two things. So one is in any given hour, you're spending time on the thing that's m- the most productive use of your time. So any given hour is spent more productively versus if you split your focus and you're doing less valuable things during that time, then 
those are getting crowded out. And you could think of this in economics, it has to do with the, 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 um, it's related to the concept of comparative advantage, which is that in general, people want to do the things that they are compared And this. I don't want to go too much into this, but they're, they're, they're best at the simple version, the sim- simplified version of it is they're best at relative to uh, other people. So there's the classic example of, well, Thomas Edison, he might be a better janitor than his janitor, but his comparative advantage is in invention, let's say, or have, uh, leading an invention business. And so it makes sense for him to spend all of his time doing that and then paying somebody else to be the janitor, even though he could be a better janitor in his time, but that's not the most productive use of his time. So that's that's a lot of the din- dynamic that's going on with saying, okay, the, if I focus on where where my productive ability is maximized, then at any given time, I'm maximizing my ability. But a lot of the power in it, and this is what I was noticing with the reading this week, is it's not just the present productive ability, it's the growth in productive ability. Because if I'm focused on, if I've decided, okay, this is really where I want to focus on in terms of, if I say a book, a lot of it is clarity of, it involves clarity of thinking, uh, effectiveness of communication, knowledge about a specific domain, if that's really related to the kinds of things I want to be doing, then if I'm focusing on that, I'm likely growing a lot in the ways that I want to grow versus if I'm splitting my focus. I mean, if I take that kind of comical example of a, you know, the restaurant thing, like I'm going to be growing a little bit, but I'm mostly just going to be learning about stuff that I don't really need, that, that is not the way that I want to, want to grow. And you can think of it, and I, in fact, used to think of this when I was thinking of my career early on, and actually it's sad to think about it now because the person involved uh, died tragically, but Kobe Bryant, I remember thinking, because he was a year or two older than I was, and I remember thinking when I decided to become a writer that I was thinking about, do I go to philosophy grad school or do I take a job as some sort of software engineer, which I had a little bit of a background in. And I thought, you know what, like Kobe Bryant doesn't become a software engineer and he doesn't even like go to some theoretical basketball school. You know, he plays basketball because he wants to, and I thought, well, I want to write. I want to write about applied philosophy. So I'm just going to figure out a way to do that and make money doing that. And that's going to give me the training that I want. And I had the sense it's really important early on that I'm getting this training, just like for a basketball player, it'd be good early on to get in those, those hours. And it's the same thing now where if, if, if a lot of what I want to do is write very clarifying things, applying philosophy to important issues, then if, if it's my number one project is generally going to be the thing that is going to allow me to grow, uh, the fastest. And so if you think about in terms of opportunity cost, could think of it as okay this is focusing on this one thing is going to allow me to do the most now and it's going to allow me to be the most in the future in terms of my ability to produce things in the future and today i'm certainly grateful to my past self for the times when i was really focused on what mattered most because those are the times i had the biggest jumps in ability certainly when i was working on my the first version of moral case for fossil fuels that was a time where my uh, my knowledge my abilities dramatically jumped whereas in some of the subsequent years where i was more spread thin and didn't really focus on one thing i learned and i grew but it wasn't at the same kind of uh of rate so i want to be clear on the point of this for me and for others the point is not that 
you should only do, there's some sort of obligation to only focus on one thing. There are many reasons why this is impractical or not the right path, even for somebody who's primarily a book writer, but let alone if you have a a more standard job where you have a lot of different things that are part of the job. And overall, you decide this is the best job for me, but there are a bunch of things and you can't easily just say, oh, I'm going to just focus on this one sliver of it and maximize that. But I, I do think one can think a lot about where, like, where is my focus best placed? And is there a way to, for me to focus a lot of effort on one project? It's a there's, there, that's one reason that you wouldn't be able to do that is just you have a job that's the best thing overall and that job only allows a certain amount of focus in the sense that I'm talking about it. It could also just, could also be while well, you have, you know, one thing that happens with writers a lot, I think, or people who aspire to be writers is that they need, they can't make a full-time living as a writer. So I have some friends who are fiction writers and they they're having some success, but they're not yet able to do that full time. But what they can do then is is decide, okay, how much does this matter for me? And then it can be, well, my my recreational time, my time after my normal job, that's going to be super focused on this and recognizing, hey, anything else I do, there's opportunity cost. And even recognizing, my, in a sense, my normal job is opportunity cost. That is, if I if I could just devote myself totally to fiction, it it's maybe the case that I could do a lot better. And I'm willing to accept that. So again, it's not that I'm obligated to maximize my ability at this one thing I want to focus on. There are a lot of reasons why I might not want to. But the thing I'm focus, I, I want to just mention, I, I want to highlight today, is that it's very good to be aware of those opportunity costs, of those trade-offs, because it's just being aware, just speaking as a writer, it's just being aware, okay, there are other things I want to do besides work on this book, uh, but those do make it take longer to do this book. And so I have, there and there are definite things I, I want to do right now that are not this book, uh, but, and I recognize, okay, I'm willing to pay that price that in some way, these are, um, these are, I'm no longer, I'm not optimized for this book. So I, I can decide that, but I want to decide that with my eyes open and I want to have that awareness all the time because I may, I may change my decision, um, about a given thing. So in you know, my case, one thing I have is I have a, a project where I want to get where I'm getting involved in more of the, uh, current events discussion of energy over the next several months heading into the election and helping certain candidates have better messages and speaking out more about it myself. It's so a project that I've put together around that. And there's one thing is it is I've made it pretty harmonious with my work on the book. Uh, and in some ways it helps it, but there's no doubt that if I didn't have this project, I could be more optimized for this book because anything about this project that would really help the book, I could just do that directly versus doing it. But I think, okay, I want to do this project. Uh, there's time sensitivity. I can, uh, it's, there's really good financial opportunity with this. And so I'm willing to, let's say, have my book done three weeks later than it would otherwise be by working on this project. But it is my, uh, again, just my eyes are open and I am aware okay, well, if, at some point, if you just want to do this book or a book or whatever you're working on, 
then you can really grow at an amazing rate. And I think that's so much of what made Apple successful is they were, I mean, they have so many people there. So they would do multiple projects at a time, but it wouldn't be many. And in particular, if there was one big project, they would they would just focus on that, or there, or at least huge teams of people would just focus on that. So I, the story of the iPhone is really interesting because they they originally had something more like the iPad in development, and then they decided, like mostly Steve Jobs decided, okay, I, I want to do a phone, and they shelved the iPad project. They didn't say, we're going to do both of these at the same time. They said, we're going to do the phone. And then even within the phone project, there's this really interesting guy named Scott Forstall, who was a leader of that team. And he has, there's at least one really good interview with him online. Unfortunately, I wish there were many, but if you look up like Scott Forstall, F-O-R-S-T-A-L-L interview, there's a really good interview of him talking about the experience. And one thing was, with the iPhone, they were having the most trouble with the keyboard. And so the, for a period of time, the, the touch keyboard on the screen. And so they just put everybody on that and just said, like, let's pause. And everybody is focused on the keyboard. And you think about all these smart people and they're just focused on the keyboard. And they they came up with all these crazy ideas. And then they, they ultimately figured out uh, a solution that worked really, really well. But it was that level of there's this, you know, millions and millions of dollars worth of employees in their time. They're not doing all these different things. They're doing one thing. And it's, it is amazing what a mind can do if it's really focused on one thing. And for myself, what I found is that I like at the very least, like one thing that works for me with my own work is to say, to have one primary thing where that is the that's kind of my overriding daily focus. And then to have um, other things where I don't have the primary responsibility uh, for it. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's a, not exactly what it is, but it's it's something close to that, like where I don't have the primary responsibility, at least where there's one or more other collaborators who can do uh, the bulk of the work on the project. Um, and because just having having primary responsibility for a major project, that's really hard to do, uh, two things of. And I've, I've tried it a bunch of times and I've tried it on multiple things and it just really limits the um, upside. So again, the point is not, you have to do one thing. It's not a duty, there's no duty here at all. It's just an awareness that there is an amazing power of focusing on the most valuable thing that you wanna create at a given time. There's an amazing power in terms of how well you can do that thing and then how quickly you can grow. And one wants to be aware that everything else one is doing at the same time in some way has a cost in terms of the power of that one thing. So that cost is often worth paying or sometimes worth paying, but I think not nearly as often as we think. And certainly then if you extend it to things like, oh, well, I'm just going on social media or I'm getting myself like super distracted by stuff in the culture that I have very little control over, that that I think most of us can find a lot of places where we're, where there's this huge opportunity cost and yet it's not worth it. So focus and opportunity cost. It's something that's really been helping me out 
in the past several weeks, and I hope it helps you too. So that is it for this week. As always, if you have any questions, comments, love mail, or hate mail, you can email me at alex at alexepstein.com to get updates about the show. You can go to humanflourishingproject.com and sign up for the email list. And also, if you want to discuss some of the ideas on the show, you can go to facebook.com slash humanflourishingproject. Uh, as part of my focus, by the way, so this is a show that I love doing a lot, but one thing I've done, I've talked about this in previous weeks, but I, I now do the show, record the show, I usually release it on Sundays and I usually record it on Sundays. And in part that it really integrates well into my life that way. And in part, it's it's helpful for my own reflection, which I do a lot of uh, on Sunday. But even, you know, even that has been a, a cool thing to do because when I was doing it on Fridays, I would usually record it on Fridays. And then it would really, there would be real trade-offs between that and getting writing done. And so that's just another little example of, okay, deciding, okay, there's this one thing that matters most and there may be other things I really want to do and I decide I absolutely want to do them. But one thing is how do I time block those so that they they minimally detract from the focus of the other thing. So hopefully that's valuable. And I, I'm not sure whether I'll be back next week, but if I'm not then, it'll be the week after. So until either of those times, I'm Alex Epstein. This has been the Human Flourishing Project. <laughs>